The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The delicate balance of mentoring someone is not creating them in your own image, but giving them the opportunity to create themselves. Steven Spielberg. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and I want to thank you each week as we come to you to share the stories of people and programs, both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall, the stigmas that are sadly carried forward, and the stories that prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. Today's guests join us from the entrepreneurial side of the tracks. One is a social entrepreneur. The other is the founder of the streetwear brand, Filthy Kicks. I want to welcome Max and Eli to The Hustler Files. Thank you. Awesome being here. So let's start with you, Max, because you're the social entrepreneur. And just for edification, I went on this morning and looked at the actual definition because definitions change with all the language that we're going through today as a society. And so according to what I found, the definition of a social entrepreneur is a person who establishes an enterprise with the aim of solving social problems or affecting social change. Would you say that's correct? That sounds correct. And I would add that I think social entrepreneurship is morphing into a place of how do we quickly and safely provide access to capital, investments, donations to fund social work. So how did you become a social entrepreneur? My life started working directly with youth in settings ranging from outdoor schools to urban and rural middle schools to youth detention centers. And that work brought me to Boston, where I was a AmeriCorps teaching fellow with Citizen Schools. And at the time, Citizen Schools, this was 2003, was part of a growing movement of these growing high-scale nonprofits. And long story short, I had an opportunity to transition my work from direct youth work to nonprofit management and help citizen schools grow to a couple new states. That led to a career being the founding executive director of Playworks, which now serves thousands of kids in more than 40 schools across New England. And that's my superhero power is connecting this idea of kind of programs that create outcomes for people and making sure we find the funding and the resources needed to do that work in, in powerful ways. Recently, I shifted my entire focus to Franklin County, where we are building the early stages of a really robust, inclusive, and rigorous entrepreneurial ecosystem from the North Quab in, in Orange, where I grew up, all the way through Greenfield and ultimately to North Adams, we hope. And this is all for for our listeners' edification as well, Massachusetts. This is Franklin County, Massachusetts, one of the most rural and uh, low-income counties in the state. And that's sort of interesting because we have a lot of guests from Franklin County come through the show, and there are so many amazing programs, but we haven't delved yet into the entrepreneurial side and what's happening. And when you and I reconnected a few months ago, we had known each other in the past, and I really was excited to hear what you were doing. So I always think of social entrepreneurs as mentors. 
right? I think if I, if I drill it down to that level, that's what they are. And also in studio with us today is who I would refer to as Max's mentee, entrepreneur Eli Valancourt. Am I saying your name right? Yeah, you're saying it correct. Okay, good. So Eli, you have an interesting background of which I don't know a lot about. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to know Max? Yeah, my background starts a little crazy. So I met Max through a program in Greenfield. Uh, I seen an article online and I had a teacher teaching me for probation and uh, I signed up for this article for the entrepreneurship program and from there me and Max clicked and I did a six-month entrepreneurship program with Max. Max took me under his wing and my whole life has changed from then. And if you don't mind me asking, why were you on probation? So that starts a while back. Uh, It all starts from a drug addiction I had. Um, I used to be on Xanax and Xanax will make you very like blacked out and dumbfounded. I did a crime back in 2020 of uh, October where I got caught with a firearm in possession of like three counts of drugs and distribution, which caused a serious trouble on my life at the age of 18. And then from there, I did jail time. Um, I came home on house arrest, 24 hours home confinement. I did around 16 months on house arrest, trying to find a business. And I kind of screwed up on house arrest, dealing with a drug problem. I found myself back in jail, which I thought was the worst thing, but honestly was the biggest blessing. Then I ended up into this program in Greenfield, and Greenfield was honestly one of the best cities I ever joined, and they welcomed me with open arms. I met Max. I met this lady, Sarah. I met all these people helping me with my GED and just trying to get my life started. That's awesome. I'm sorry you went through all that, but I'm so glad that you've seen how the village of people that these resources have for young people like yourself that have had some bad experiences can really help you go the other way. But you must have had a good attitude through all this. I mean, not everybody makes it through. Yeah, totally. So at first, I mean, it was it was hard. I was 18 years old. All my friends were getting cars, jobs, apartments. I was on house arrest at my grandma's. And I thought I was definitely going to struggle during life because that's what it, it seems to. You get felonies, you're going to struggle. But I just wake up every day thinking I'm going to truck everything over like nothing's stopping me type of mentality. And that's just where I get to, you know. So, Max, when you first met Eli, how was he then compared to how he is now? One of the amazing things about Eli is he's both the same that he was when I met him and he's also even more refined. And so uh, it's interesting hearing Eli say going back to jail was maybe my biggest blessing. It was so clear to me that Eli is doing the work. And I think, you know, in this work with folks coming out of incarceration or folks with addiction issues, you know, the work is often deeper than the work. And I think that's clear with Eli, like he's reflective, he's really committed to not going back to jail, and he takes feedback. You know, he was in the six-month accelerator program that we've piloted uh, with our partners at Launch Space in Orange and Green Space in Greenfield. And it was a lot of work. And the conversations were not always easy because that takes feedback, right? And Eli did that all with a growth mindset. And where he is, I would say, business-wise today from when I met him in January is radically different. And we are going to get to the business side of this in the second part of the show. But I always like to set the table and make sure people really understand. So, Eli, while you were home 
on house arrest. How did you find these? Was it the entrepreneurial program? Was it was it through getting um, your GED that you connected? Where did that happen? Honestly, how I found Max through sitting on house arrest was I've relapsed. I found myself back in jail. I had a very good attorney, and um, I was calling my attorney through jail, asking any way possible to get home. I've completed sober homes. I've completed AA and everything like that. So that's what I was honestly asking for. My attorney, Kevin, said, Eli, I think I found something better for you. It's a structured program. This program's like school for probationers. I'm getting taught by probations how to retrain my mind. But this guy, Kevin, seen something in me because they were trying to make me get a job. And I told them I was reselling at the time and I was drop shipping items from little things online. And I was making a, enough income to support myself. And uh, I was showing these guys that at probation and they didn't want to believe me. But this one guy, Kevin, did believe me. He wrote the whole paperwork for me and everything, sent it over to Max. And I was one out of the 10 students that got accepted. Wow. And Max, tell us a little bit about the program. Uh, Launch Space in Orange uh, is a 10,000 square foot maker space, really focused on creative entrepreneurship in this region. And Green Space is a co-working space in Greenfield. And they're more focused, you know, they're, they're broad in their thing, but they have co-working space, they host networking and meetup events. And so they're really both part of this ecosystem. And the accelerator program we started was six months, as Eli said. And to us, a few things were really important. One was to have regional approach because we know, especially for lower income or moderate income folks in Franklin County, it's transportation's a challenge. Uh, it's expensive to fill your car to go back and forth between Greenfield and Orange. So we had programming happening in both places so people could work on carpooling and arranging that. We were able to recruit regionally so that we're supporting as many entrepreneurs in the North Quabbin as we are in Greenfield and the Greenfield area. And that was all really important. And so, yeah, we hosted the first pilot. We had 24 applications, which we were really proud about in that first year. And as Eli mentioned, we had 10 people make the cohort. So how did you connect with Eli's attorney? How did you create that connection to get the criminal justice system within Franklin County knowing what you were doing? Did yeah. you see a future right off the bat of adding to the cohort of formerly incarcerated youth or mm. people? Or was this just something that someone mentioned to you and you thought, oh, wow, that's a great idea? Yeah, that's a great question. I think because of the unique ways that, one, our jail in Franklin County and the Community Resource Center Eli's talking about are very innovative. We're doing very cool and innovative work up there. And so I think it was always on our radar. We've designed the program to be rooted in a strong commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And so that's always been a design principle, making sure the jails, making sure the recovery project and other people know about our programs. But we were also competitive. And, you know, it's funny, I didn't know that Kevin wrote your application, but we read it. Eli's was one of the ones where we were like, check, yes, this guy's going. He's in it. It was transparent. It was vulnerable. It had a clear like thing, like the story of a guy getting out and saying, I'm not going back there. Wow, I have a lot of money worth of shoes under my bed. I'm going to learn how to sell them to where he is now is a beautiful story. Kevin introduced me to Eli at the Community Resource Center, and we ended up sitting by ourselves for about an hour talking. And it was a far-ranging conversation. And I, again, I just knew immediately. I said, this dude's well-positioned to do amazing things. And in it was a no-brainer. Eli, when you were first incarcerated, were there re-entry programs that were helping you to understand that you could do other things, or were you really not in that headspace in that moment? 
Um, when I first came out of incarceration and entering incarceration, I was still battling addiction. So when I did come home, I was more adamant about going to sober homes and doing the 12 steps of recovery. That's where my head was at when I first came home. But then after a while of me feeling like I completed it, of me feeling the sober life was there, and I kind of got sick of the AA. And I just kind of started thinking of business plans. And I always was a business kid, even though it started with candy at school and to then led to illegal activities, but then back to something great. I was just thinking, a lot of thinking about shoes and a passion. That's awesome. And that is how a lot of the entrepreneurial pieces start. I've heard stories over and over again over the years that it starts with selling candy in school, right? <laughs> and at least you're not, you weren't selling drugs. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. Listen, we've got to take a quick break. So Eli and Max, if you'll hang around and we'll come back and talk about the shoes under the bed. You're listening to this week's The Hustler Files. Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work an active organic garden. Best of all, they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm Lisa Riley, your host, and we have in studio today Max Fripp and Eli Valancourt. Eli is the founder and chief curator of Filthy Kicks, a streetwear brand that he's been building since being released from prison. And Max is a social entrepreneur who's been mentoring Eli on his journey to build a sustainable business. So let's dig in a little bit on the shoes under the bed. Eli, do you want to give us some background on that? Yeah, so when I was talking about um, being on home confinement, I had around 20-something solid expensive pairs of sneakers and around 15 other ones that were just kind of iffy money. Um, It hurt me to sell them all, but I started posting them online, and I sold all around like 40 pairs of sneakers within a little over a month. And I led myself with like 20-something thousand dollars. Uh, this was in 2021 when sneakers were very expensive during the COVID times. I was It was easy to make money back then during 2021. But uh, yeah, so I decided to reinvest into the sneakers with not just size 11 and a half because that's what I sold under my bed. And then I invested the money. I had resellers come to my house. They're a little sketched out about it. I would have them bring 20 pairs to my house. It was a little trouble doing it at first from home, but it all started with selling my collection from my bed. So you made $20,000 from selling your collection that was under your bed. Yeah, around like 41 pairs, I think exactly it was. Wow, I didn't know sneakers were that expensive. I'm a Keds girl or <laughs> barely a Keds girl. So, okay. So give me an average idea of like what type of sneaker we're talking about and what the resale value is. Um, so my favorite shoes are Jordan 4s. Uh, at the time, it's still actually the hottest shoe out right now. Probably the cheapest Jordan 4 you're going to find is $300, and the most expensive ones you can find are 600 all the way up to thousands, and I don't even like to say the numbers sometimes because they scare people. But the Jordan 4, the Jordan 3 models are the hottest shoes right now, and those will my favorite. So it worked out very good when I did sell my collection. But uh, average Jordan, even if it's just a general release, is $200 plus. So who's your customer? My customers are a lot of the youth. There's like well sought after teens who take care of themselves. Parents, obviously. Kids like myself. Hipsters, if you would say. Hype beasts. Uh, 
And how old are you now? I'm 21. Oh, wow. Okay. So kid, I guess, does sort of kind of find your way into that conversation. You're on the precipice and now you're old enough to vote. So So you sold these sneakers originally and then did it right away hit you that you had a potential business model that you could build out? Definitely. So I have a big following on my Snapchat just from being a popular kid in high school. So that's where I started at first, just with my personal account with my name and everything and was posting them through there. And I seen shoes getting swiped up on and asking questions about and getting sold very quickly. Or do you have other sizes? And those, that was a big question. And then after I sold the pairs of sneakers, I, I actually seen that, um, I felt like I had more girls that were buying sneakers so i went for smaller sizes at home yeah that's just how it worked it was it worked out very good from being a a loud kid in school i would say so you used your social media presence to initially launch your business is called filthy kicks yep at the time i had no idea it was going to be filthy kicks i sold it through eli valancourt and then probably four months down the road i thought it was going to be filthy toe and then like four (laughs) months later i changed it to filthy kicks so max you get this business model in writing which kevin helped eli create And what went through your head as you're reading this business model idea? Because you've looked at a lot of business models over the years, I'm sure. So I I am a huge customer of Eli's. I'm wearing a pair of Air Force Ones in all white that I got from him. And both of my kids are sneaker heads. In fact, my younger son, just with his own money, bought Jordan 3s or 4s or something yesterday. (laughs) And so um, I also run an alternative high school program with awesome young people from Greenfield High High School. And I know there's a gap in this. People want to be able to go to downtown Greenfield and buy clothing that represents their norms and values. And there's no place to do that in Greenfield. So I knew that. I know that this online sneaker business is huge. That it's a huge market. People are making lots and lots of money doing what Eli does. And I was just like, yeah, let's go. And we went. <laughs> so you went into the cohort, which was a six month yep. set training. And what did you learn in this cohort just for our listeners? Like what was what were some of the processes that you learned about building a business? Um, it started off at first with like your elevator pitch and getting your five minute pitch down of what your business is really about and to be passionate about what you, you're preaching. And then it went into your taxes and your business models and your revenues and to make your just to know about your revenue streams and your different revenue models of how you're going to make money through your business and how your business will sustain over a years and stuff like that. And then we went over taxes and then we had a lot of guest speakers come in and teach us about their businesses or their what they do for work and stuff like that. So were you looking to stay online or because I know I've been on your website and it's very cool and we'll give that at the end of the show. But were you looking to do a brick and mortar business or was this just something that sort of transpired throughout the six months in the cohort? Um, So I definitely wanted a brick and mortar business for to solidify my online business as being authentic or something to have to back me up. And it definitely has worked out. I feel like since I've gotten my brick and mortar store, I've had more online customers through Instagram from like California and places that they have no clue who I am, but they can look my store up and I have Google reviews and references on my Instagram. It just makes me feel more legit. It's amazing. You're 21 years old and you've already got this whole thing going. I think when I was reading your bio, your first six month sales have been at least $50,000. Yep. 
That's amazing. Do you have people helping you in the store? Do you have social media help? How do you manage it all? So I manage the the social media accounts. So I have eBay, my Facebook, my Instagram, and my Snapchat. And then I have my Filthy Kicks at my website. And um, I have my little brother who's in the store with me every single day. He does the inventory in the back. And then I have my two friends that help me start the store. That's Jose and my friend Jacob. So they are on the LLC with me. And they, they carry their own. They have their own sneakers. So it's like three different alleyways throughout the store. Oh, okay. So they're also doing resale of sneakers exactly. as well. So are you doing more buying than selling? Or you do you have more buyers than you have product? How are you finding that balance now that it's 2023? At the same time, a sneaker store is always buying, but I don't let myself buy faster than I can sell. So if I find myself having too much inventory, I know when to plug it. But at the same time, I'm always buying kicks. If something cool comes into the store and you don't see it often, and even if the capital is not there for say, I'm going to make it work because kicks are hard to come by. And when you see a rare kick, you got to get it. Are you buying from people in other states? So you're seeing what they send you as far as a picture, right? Um, No, I go to a lot of sneaker conventions. So actually on the 19th, I'll be going to a two-day sneaker convention in New York City. Um, There's some in Boston. And then I go to a lot of other resellers. So I have friends who have other stores or who do this online. And I'll go either meet up with them at their store or their home. And I'll pick through their lot that they have and buy bulk deals, they call it. Wow, there's sneaker conventions. Who knew? Okay. I'm fascinated by this, and and I'm sure we could talk for hours about it. But I want to digress for a second. Throughout all of this, have you found it difficult to stay sober, or has becoming an entrepreneur and having this passion really fueled you to to stay on the right path? Yeah, finding a passion and finding a, a structured life that had a busy schedule was honestly the best thing for me. Sitting at home on house arrest, you have nothing but 24 hours of free time on your hands with nothing really to do. Now my schedule is Monday through Friday and busy. I only close on Sunday. So I get one day to myself with my dog and that's really it. And that's what I enjoy. Good for you. I I love hearing that because we do know that a lot of the people we talked to mentioned that formerly addicted, struggle to find things to fill their time. And I'm so thrilled that you found this passion at such a young age. Do you go to yard sales and Goodwill and Savers and all those places? I don't want to give away your mm-hmm. secrets. Oh, yeah. So I go to flea markets on Sundays. I go to Goodwills for vintage T-shirts. I'm on Facebook Marketplace looking for snipes, they call them, like steals for people postings for prices that they don't know it's worth. And I'm always doing stuff like that on eBay, a low ball people. And it's fun. Just the lingo. I, I think I need a whole list of just the different <laughs> lingo you've been, been using. And we're, we're going to run out of time in a second, sadly. And I'd love to have you back in six months or a year and just hear how things are continuing to go. A couple questions. One, do you see yourself expanding this to other markets, other parts of the state of Massachusetts? How's that look to you? Oh, yeah, totally. I want to expand. Um, as of right now, I'm trying to enter a barber school in Alexander Academy. I really want to turn filthy 
kick so you can get your clothes, your shoes, and a haircut. And I would love to have multiple locations. I feel like it's a destiny spot for major cities and people would love that. That's amazing. I got goosebumps. That's always a good sign. (laughs) And Max, I'm really grateful that you joined us today and you brought us Eli. I love his story. And I just want to confirm you're still doing the work with the two launch space and green space cohorts. We are planning to launch our next cohort in January. We're looking for funding to be transparent, but I think we'll figure out how to do it one way or another. The results were too good from this first cohort. That's awesome. And do you have sponsors? Are you looking for sponsors? We would love sponsors. And I should say that part of Eli's journey with the work that I've been able to do is in addition to the cohort, he got to be part of a pop-up shop in downtown Greenfield that he had for three months, no risk, was able to test his business model so that when he signed his lease, he had three months of sales records. And then he went to a pitch competition where he was well positioned. And he just, thanks to Franklin First Credit Union up in Greenfield, he just got a $3,000 business investment to grow out a production studio. That's the ecosystem we're building, but it does take other funders and investors investors. I think we can do this at huge scale. And like Eli's mentioned, and you were talking about Lisa, getting out of prisons about getting a job. We know that too many people are not making it with jobs because minimum wage doesn't pay enough to live in Greenfield or anywhere in Franklin County. So how do we unlock opportunities for people to build passions? And for someone like Eli to have a job that maybe is a real wealth generating job, I have no doubt that Eli might be making six figures in the next five years. And also employing other people. And Eli, do you think you'll employ other people as a fair chance hire employer versus maybe just somebody else that wasn't struggling? Do you think you have more of a soft heart towards someone more like yourself? Totally. I I find myself helping out too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Quick last question. I don't know how my producer is going to fit all this in. She's always good at doing that. I ask all my guests and you'll have to just give me a short form answer. I, I believe we all have life assignments and they change, you know, depending on our age or sometimes they stay the same. But Max, what do you think your life assignment to date has been or is at the moment? Closing opportunity gaps. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Eli, about you, what do you think your life assignment at 21 is? Uh, Just to achieve the family I have always wanted. That's great. Listen, thank you again for both coming in and we will stay in touch and we will make sure that on the WHMP podcast page, we list social media accounts so that people can track you down. All righty. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. All right. And we'll be right back with more of the Hustler Files. The Sheriff's Shuffle 5K Run Walk is back, and this year it raises funds to support Sheriff Nick Kochi's Youth Leadership Academy. Want to learn more? Listen up. What's the Youth Leadership Academy? The Youth Leadership Academy is a summer day camp that provides Western Mass youth ages 7 through 12 positive role models and life experiences for those who can't afford a traditional camp experience. This year, 120 children participated. Who pays for the Youth Leadership Academy? All expenses are covered by donations, like the Sheriff's Shuffle. So when is the Sheriff's Shuffle? It's Sunday, October 15th. And where is it? It's at the Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. And what time should I be there? Registration starts at 8 a.m. The race begins at 10.30 a.m. How much is it? It's only $35 to pre-register. Where can I sign up? Google HamptonCountySheriff.org and click on the link. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to sign up for the Sheriff's Shuffle. See you there. We are back, and this week's thoughts are called 10 Ways to Protect Your Vibe. Make self-care a priority. Stay loyal to your intuition. 
Let go of things you can't control. Stop placing yourself below others. Keep your faith larger than your fears. Distance yourself from gossip and drama. Place kindness at the tip of your tongue. Avoid comparing yourself to other people. Uphold your boundaries with difficult individuals. Move on from opinions that don't improve your life. And that's from Vex King, Good Vibes, Good Life. And that's a wrap on another week of The Hustler Files. I want to thank our guests and advertisers for their continuing support. And as always, you can find all of our shows on the whmp.com podcast page or on any of your favorite podcast sites. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. Did you know the Franklin County Sheriff's Office has programs to support our seniors? This is Sheriff Chris Donnelly. Our triad unit provides free medical equipment to senior citizens who need help staying in their homes. This could mean the difference between going home after rehab or into a nursing home. Our incarcerated men at the Franklin County Jail work to repair and maintain donated wheelchairs, scooters, walkers, and hospital beds that we then make available to seniors for free. Just another service our Sheriff's Office is proud to provide for you and your family.